Rammies, we have a very special announcement for you. Right Answers Mostly has teamed up with CPC Swimwear to create our own line of swimsuits. It has been a dream come true. We created five different swimsuits in collaboration with CPC, and we could not be more excited. One swimsuit even has a little special wink at Right Answers Mostly. We love a wink. These suits are the best. It's the only suits I've been wearing for the past six years. They're sustainable. They're locally made, and they just look so good on your body. I've never felt better in a swimsuit. Same. But not only do we have a Ram round of swimsuits, we also have a discount code. Use code RAM10 at checkout to receive 10% off any CPC swimsuits. We cannot wait to see you in your cute little suits. It's going to be the best. Okay, goodbye. Bye. Rammies, if you are a California listener, stop right now, stop whatever you are doing because we have the most exciting and special discount code for you. We are collaborating with Drew Martin to give you 10% off Drew Martin joints. Ugh, you know how much we adore this company. They are 100% queer owned. Their joints are made with botanical blends such as rose, chamomile, lemon, ginger, and it just makes you feel like you are smoking such a light and joyous and uplifting joint. The marketing is so good. The branding is just stunning. So it's a great for a gift. You can smoke these by yourself and just feel so relaxed. You can smoke them with friends and feel social. It never gives you that sort of panicky feeling like a lot of joints do. We cannot recommend them enough. Go to drewmartin.co, use code RAM10 to get 10% off your order. Let us know what you think. This is where we stop, you guys. This is why I think that I'm safe from a cult because I don't have the energy for group activities. It's all happening. Hashtag it's all happening, just like on Sheena Shea's arm. So you know that she, why she has that or what quote? It's from um, Almost, Almost Famous. Uh, she would. I was like, she. it's like one of those <laughs> people that's like, this is cool. And I like, <laughs> have like this film. But every single one of the Vanderpump Rules um, tattoos are so tough. They're trash. They're, lots I've been of arrows, lots of, lots of hashtag things. Lots of like probably song lyrics or yes. like follow your like live 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 laugh love vibes exactly dance like no one's watching yes but the worst offender of all is katie maloney's leopard tattoo have you seen it it's like leopard print tattoo no hi guys welcome (laughs) to right answers mostly my name's claire my name is tess and we're here to be like wikipedia's twin sister but if she threw a bit more shade Mm, drank a little bit more wine and had a bit more fun. Mm. Ah. So um, I'm happy to report that Tess is now fully into Vanderpump Rules. Another lesson in life of don't resist something just because you think you're not going to like it. I It's the only thing I've been able to think about today. I've just been waiting, honestly, to be like, okay, 7 p.m. I'm going to get him. Because I also really like watching it um, in my bed Same. on my laptop. Same. It's very much like a comfort. Like it's so cozy. So cozy. Oh, God. Ooh, I mean, we could talk about it for hours. We can on Patreon if you yeah. guys want us to. I think that we should just go ahead and do it. Because we, we were supposed to, Tess and I do a business check-in every Monday. And 
classic us the whole hour was just spent because i'm also re-watching vanderpump rules i'm currently on season three yes we got a little um off course but you could say it's all oh beautiful asmr for you i'm drinking whiskey on the rocks and i forgot that it's whiskey and i was pouring it like it was wine hey well good for you yeah you'll you'll need this episode that is true um but yeah we just Claire and I both moved to LA during that time too. So it literally just feels like home. And we were both in West Hollywood, which is where all these people are. They go everywhere that like the first episode there at the place I used to work for like three years. Like the whole thing was just so like, we were all kind of trash like that too. A hundred percent. I mean, we all know the years 2012 through like 2017, it's just trash. Trash and fashion, trash music, trash movies. Trash, trash, trash for us. For us. (laughs) We love that. And that's what I always liked about Vanderpump Rules is like that they would go to the restaurants that you would go to. They would Mm -hmm. go to like the shopping places that you would go to. And it was always just fun. Uh, Yeah. And they think that they're so classy doing it. Like them out to dinner at the Grove on a date night, dressed up in like heels and business casual, smoking a cigarette, thinking that they own the Grove. Pinot Grigio. Oh, it's so good. What a gorgeous time to be alive. I'm telling you, early Vanderpump Rules is some of the best reality television there is. I completely agree. And thank you for Mm. not judging me too for how rude I was. Never. For resisting it. Never would judge you for that. Um, I do understand your resistance to Southern Charm, and I know not to push on that one. There's some things that are worth fighting for, and there's some that are just not, and Southern Charm is not. I tried the first three when I had COVID. It's troubling. And I was sick to my stomach. (laughs) It's a tough watch. Um, I have not rewatched it, and I don't think I ever will. I understand. Except for desperate times. But besides that, what else is going on in your life, Tess? Um, it's almost my birthday. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you said that. This is Tess's birthday week. Oh, yeah, it is. Everyone on the 27th, make sure and wish her a happy birthday. I appreciate it. You know, Happy birthday, Tess. Uh, thank you, Claire. As a true Taurus, you're counting down the days. <laughs> You really are. Of course. And that's also very tourist of you to love um, watching VPR in bed. Uh, yes. I mean, I do have the, the traits really are, are strong with there. the tourist vibes. Except for the um, refrigerator neck. For- Remember um, on our astrology oh. episode, Maura said that tourists tend to be built like fridges. But I think <laughs> I've always had a you thick said neck, that though. I don't see that for you. That is nice. I've always, whenever I wear a choker, I feel like I'm like popping out of it. <laughs> like my veins are like. It's the bull that is the mascot. Especially when I get angry. Like pearls, you just like... literally embody it. No, I don't see that for you. Oh, well, that, that is sweet. Um, but yeah, the birthday's great. Um, Evan was here last week before he went to Coachella, one of my best friends from college. Um, very special person to me, a Rami. So we just kind of like... Shout out to you, Evan. Shout out to you, Evan. We didn't do much, but that was kind of nice. Um, you know, like we talked about last time as you get older, you're like, we don't have to do a thousand things. Like... Literally the first night, we were going to go out to dinner. We came back, and we were like, do we have to? And then nah. we were like, no. And then we just took an edible and oh, so nice. watched movies and, you know, just chilled. So that was lovely. Love that. Love that. I also had someone in town. My mom was in town last week. We got our cards Angel. read. Oh, yes. What were the takeaways? Um, worry That I'm a worrier and that she's a worrier. We're like, tell us something we don't know. Yeah, I'm all right. Mom, I'm paying you that. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um. <laughs> Something, but I went to this person last time and she said spring, summer, and that was um, last spring, summer, and nothing really happened. She's saying that something next spring, summer. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. Just like. 
<laughs> oh, but you know what she did say? Mm. She said that I have the gift of clairvoyance. And she was like, do you picture things happening and then they happen? And I was like, no. And she was like, you don't? She was like, I see this for you. The cards say you don't. And I was like, literally, no. I was like, I don't even feel like I have that. And I did oh. say, I was like, but one of my friends is so intuitive. And like she, mm. I could see when I was talking oh, about you. I, I appreciate that. Thank I, you for bringing me up during your own session. <laughs> yeah, like any way to talk about tests. <laughs> I will do. Um, no, I just like, she said that I need to clear some things out and try to get in touch with that. So maybe I'm just going to start predicting things. Maybe you should let that let that in. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. You know. What I really want to do, which I know you're not, you don't vibe with as much. I really wanted to have a medium session. I know. I don't know why it just scares me. It, it, it excites me. It thrills me. I know. I'm like, what if you... I don't know. I mean, I don't really know how I'd be afraid to like encounter mm. of who I have lost. Actually, maybe <laughs> <laughs> for a different episode. I want to do a medium reading, and I want to do um, past lives reading. Past lives. I would love to do past lives because that's like a little less at stake. That's it. There's like no stakes there because it's like who knows. They also just say the craziest they, things. Like Erica always, Jane, like you were in war. Erica Jane being a little prince on a boat. <laughs> I mean, Which Erica Jane. Checks out. D- that does check out. Um, what did she say about Ram? Oh, um, she said she the say? content is is good. She went, there's a lot of good communication here, but you need to work on your marketing. <laughs> I was like, got it, Caroline. Thank You're like, you. Okay. How cards tell us how? Um, but she is excited for a podcast, and I said we oh, have great. Sweet. I said I have a great communication style with my business partner too. So yeah. So um, just be looking out for that um, excelling marketing that we're going to be doing um, spring summer of next year. Okay. <laughs> And those were my takeaways. Everything takes a while. Well, that's lovely. Um, <laughs> what was the, the best thing you ate when your mom was here? Oh, that's a great question. I'm trying so to where'd think. Where'd you guys all go for been. dinner? Winston? We to, uh, Winston Kobe's, mm. which is this amazing Indian restaurant. Ugh. My mom got the butter chicken, and I tried that. And the naan that they serve with it is the best thing ever. The meats are so soft. <sighs> they just like completely melt off the bone. It's so good. Um, we ate well. It was a great time. Um, yeah, I, lo- I love Kobe's. Oh, love it's Kobe's. so good. And then um, I went to the desert this weekend to help a friend out with a few events. And it was so nice to be in heat. Uh, we God. need a Palm Springs girls trip. We really do. We need a girls trip in general. I agree. And it's that was been so very long. apparent. Yes. If you got okay, so we usually we've taken a few trips to Temecula, California, which has vineyards. Um, one of our friends, Allison, it's her hometown, and we have ended up. It's a tradition in my family to either moon or streak in a vineyard if mm-hmm. you go, and we have carried that tradition on to our girl group. We have. It's the least we could do. Yeah, you have to if you're in a vineyard and you've had multiple. We don't taste like. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. I mean, like some of those days, I'm like, we probably all had like 20 glasses of wine at by the least. End of the day, at least, and then we go and we go out to dinner. Then we usually get martini. <laughs> We, we always end up crying, not not upset tears, being like, I just love you. Yes, it's just like emotional. And then we like watch a Disney movie at yep. the end. We watched Tarzan last time. Hot. Oh, wow, hot. Forgot about that. Hot character. Forgot about that. The yeah. Last time was chaotic. A lot of things happened. <laughs> it always is. It always is. But that is, is for Patreon. Exactly. Head on over. $7.99. Link in bio. Link in the show notes. That's what that's what the truth is. Easy peasy. Beautiful. Cover girl. That's right. But test. What? What's not easy peasy beautiful this, cover girl? This. Okay, so we have done a crime. We've done a conspiracy. 
it was time for a cult. It was time. And I, so I've been wanting to cover this cult for a long time. And then I was like, I just want to make sure that the Rammies like it as well. So I put a question and had people write in which cult we should cover. And so many people, your mother included. I know the girls went wild. The gir- they went wild. The girls went wild. We are covering Jonestown. I don't know what this is. So do you know anything about Jonestown? The People's Temple, Jim Jones. So from my mom, mm-hmm. I know that this is where it started, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Yes. So that's where that expression started. The whole expression of don't drink the Kool-Aid is from Jonestown, and I don't want to tell you why. We'll get there. Something's in it, isn't it? Something's in it, but don't don't drink the Kool-Aid. Okay, I won't. It's actually, um, it actually wasn't Kool-Aid. It was... Um, well, I'll find it later, but it was the off-brand of Kool-Aid, which is just oh. even worse. They're like, we are too cheap <laughs> like, to get that. Like, literally, so. It's like Flavor Aid or something is what it was called. But R- Gross. Gross. Um, so sad. But yes, that's where this well, came yeah, from. Well, yeah, that's really all I know. You know that I'm not a big, like, cult person. Yes. I don't watch any of the documentaries about it. It's not like I'm not interested. I think I really take it on. Yeah. Well, maybe that's um, scary. Maybe I... I found another, like, branch thing in my hair. What have you been doing? I don't know. Like, literally nothing. <laughs> I've been, like, researching on my couch today. Because you're a desert gal. That's right. I brought the desert home with me. You did? I'm but yeah, sorry. I just feel like I just get really disturbed by it. Yes, it is. And I think sometimes it almost scares me more than, like, watching a horror film. Because I'm just like, this is, like, real life. Like, when I saw the Nexium. Uh, next time yeah I never finished that cult doc I watched like 10 minutes of it and I felt like sick to my stomach and I was like you know what sometimes I can't take it on no because it's like you can't it's like human brainwashing and you're always like I think with every cult you're like that's so ridiculous that would never happen to me but I feel like every cult doc I've watched that's Tess lighting up her joint she's gonna need it today I feel like every cult doc I've watched the victims the survivors have been like don't say it won't happen to you because I thought that too I feel like they get you on your weakest times but there are things in here that I am like but why would you follow that I know I mean I think a lot of the times like they go after vulnerable mm-hmm. groups of people mm-hmm. and like women and people that have just suffered through heartbreak or trauma so it's like yeah it's human nature then to be like let me be a part of something yeah, they want acceptance that's why LA is such a great place oh, to grab people God. for your cult no kidding I mean well there's there's cults among us if you know what I mean in LA. yes oh there's mm. the there is a major cult among us that people suggested and we have said before that we're not going to no. touch it no touchy it's too scary we're not we don't want to get they will come in after trouble. us yeah no so we're not going to touch that it rhymes with myontology if you know you know we're never touching that all right I'll go ahead oh. and hit this too yeah it's you know but it's not like i don't want it i was really excited when you said that you were doing a cult yeah so it's not like i don't want to hear about it i'm excited i think i can only take a little bit at a time yeah well it's good we're gonna need some like r&r after this one <laughs> i think actually that this man jim jones who is the head of the cult, i think he might be the most evil person we've covered we've covered manson we've covered <coughs> who else is evil that we covered um Colonel oh, Waco. We've covered the Colonel. <coughs> so, but I think he might have them be Prince Charles. <laughs> Prince Charles. I mean, uh, just kidding. Prince Charles takes it all. Like literally, Camilla. Camilla. Yeah, they're they're in a cult of their own. If I must say, you could say that. You could say. Well, okay. So I got most of my sources from this doc. Actually, mainly all my source was from this uh, docu series called Jonestown Terror and Terror in the Jungle, which was produced by Leonardo DiCaprio. What? Yes, and guess what, Tess? Leonardo DiCaprio is play is set to play Jim Jones in a movie. 
Is it is a Martin Scorsese movie? Probably, but also we've been burned before. Where's the H.H. H. Holmes well, show? I don't believe anything I hear anymore yeah. about his career. Because I'm just like, also, why why all the crazy people are you wanting to play? What is that about? I'm gonna try to shake some ice <laughs> shake some my, water. Um, well, hey, okay. I can't talk about it anymore, Claire. You know, I, I know, I know. It's okay. It's okay. Um, someone I know <laughs> said that they saw him at Coachella oh. and said he was the old man walking in the back. <laughs> He was with, um, oh, the girl. Arena Sharon. Karina Sharon. Bradley Cooper's ex girlfriend. That, no. Yes. There's pictures I saw in Dumont. Oh, you mean Irina These people. Yep, <laughs> also, Kieran Culkin. I was trying to type out that name because I was watching Succession. I was like, wow. For some reason, it just does not click for me. Absolutely not. But um, anyway, so he is apparently set to play Jim Jones in a movie, and I think he would crush it. It's just wow. I mean, he is good. He is good at. Um, he's phenomenal at his craft. Those, yeah, those kind of roles. That is true. But let's get into it, Tess. Okay, yes. the Jonestown Massacre. What is it? Okay, the Jonestown Massacre occurred on November eighteenth, nineteen seventy-eight, when more than nine hundred members of an American cult called the People's Temple died in a mass suicide murder. It took place at the so-called Jonestown Settlement in the South American nation of Guyana. Um, prior to the terrorist attacks of September 11th, the tragedy at Jonestown was marked the single largest loss of U.S. civilian lives in a non-natural disaster. Really? 900 Americans. That's crazy. Crazy. So terms used to des- to describe the deaths in Jonestown have evolved over time. Many c- like modern media accounts after the events called uh, the deaths a mass suicide. However, now people refer to it as a mass murder and a massacre mm. because I don't think a lot of these people went willingly on their own. And even if they did, they were so brainwashed by someone, it's hard to say that it was their choice. No, 100%. Oh, God. And it was all under the direction of the cult leader, Jim Jones. So who the hell is Jim Jones and how did we get here? Well, let me take a guess. Childhood trauma. <laughs> Childhood trauma. Tess, you guessed Something it. Something with his mommy. You guessed it. Ding, ding, ding. And there it is. So Jim Jones was born on May 13th, 1931. Oh, no. See, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like whenever we talk about evil people, they always end up being Taurus. I feel like we have... Uh, Charles Manson was a Scorpio, but I want to say David Koresh might have been a Taurus. I want to say... I need to look it up. That as well. Hey, we all have our goods and we all have our bad. That's true. Who's an amazing celebrity Taurus? Adele. Great. Right? Or no, is she a cancer? I don't know. Oh, Megan Fox. I always remember that from like middle school being like, oh, Megan Fox is hot and she's a Taurus. That means I'm hot. I love how it's like, who's an amazing Taurus celebrity? I'm Megan Fox. Not like an artist. Amazing in your own right. Amazingly sexy. I've got Beyonce and Zendaya, so I'm like, good night. Oh, that is good. Thank you. Okay, I will come back. Sorry to flex. (laughs) I'll come back with an answer. Yeah, we'll get there. Because I really couldn't, couldn't tell you right now. Um, So his father was a World War I veteran um, Mm -hmm. and he was injured in world war one by like some chemical gas and it made it to where he was like really messed up when he came back and so he wasn't able to work and his medical like his um his military pensions didn't cover his family's basic needs which of course is so messed up that we're like go fight for our country and when you come back you're on your own nada kid. nada god so they really struggled financially, which led to a lot of marital issues. Mm. Um, they get kicked out of their house because his dad can't pay his bills. And so then his like um, extended relatives, Jim Jones, like so his aunts and uncles, buy them a shack, but it doesn't have any running water or electricity. 
And um, then their, their, his extended family, it kind of sends them some money. But they were like to his mom, they were like, if you don't get a job, then we're going to stop sending you money because you're just, even though his, his mom was like just trying to provide like in her own way to the household. So then she has to go get a job. So she's out of the house all the time. And his dad was in and out of hospital. So Jim Jones was isolated as a kid all the time. Like literally no one was looking out for him. Oh my God, this is so scary already. Already. Um, and it said that his mother had no maternal instincts and right. she often, <laughs> so there it is. So there it is. She often neglected her son. Um, and it said, it was said that Jim Jones frequently strolled, uh, the town streets naked as a baby with no one watching <gasps> over him. So I think he was like a little kid, like truly just looking for someone to take care of him. That is so sad. So sad. So how does he compensate by trying to get attention? He causes drama. Oh, I thought you were going to say he like starts like he becomes a musical theater. Like, um, there is such theater kid energy I, with Jim Jones. I feel it with him already. <laughs> I could just sense it from the moment. He wanted drama, honey, and he brought it. Oh, Jesus. He um, started attending a lot of church services and he like started to love like the different, like he loved how, and he went to all different denominations. So he loved how the Baptist preachers were like really grand and like um, performative. And he loved the Pentecostal churches that people would talk in tongue and like run up and down the aisle. I bet he did that little freak. <laughs> Literally. So he was like picking and choosing from all of them. And he becomes obsessed with religion and death. Um, he started as a child realizing that he wanted to become a preacher and he began to practice preaching in private. And one time his mom caught him imitating the pastor of the Pentecostal church, which is speaking in tongues. And she was like, don't ever do that again. And don't go back there. And he was like, and he did. He went back anyways. Who else did we cover that was into tongues? Um, J- Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. That's right. <laughs> into tongues. And wasn't Charles Manson? Didn't he also like dabble? He probably a bit? said some weird shit. Yeah, yeah. It's all it's all a very um, parallel thing it, between these people. It really. I know. I'm really thinking of Charles Manson of just like becoming obsessed with. Totally. There's a lot of similarities lonely here and religion. And like wants to become a rock star. Like wants to be the center of attention. Yeah. Wow, god damn it. Yep. Um, so he would regular, regularly visit a casket manufacturer, and he held mock mock funerals for roadkill that he collected. So we would find a dead animal on the side of the road and then tell all the neighborhood kids, I'm holding this funeral service, and then would make like a big show of the roadkill funeral. And then a neighbor claims that he killed a cat. Well, I was going to say, was he the one doing <laughs> yeah. all of these like, steps? You're finding to... a lot of roadkill yeah. there, Jim Jones. Like, how much roadkill can it be? Yes. Well, wow. Dark theater kid energy. Dark theater kid. <laughs> yes. Like, he's like the in, darkest. In Wedding Crashers, the brother that's like, death, you are my bitch lover. <laughs> <laughs> that is his energy. And I I appreciate the Wedding Crashers version of it. Right. Um. So he... He would also, he would claim as a kid that he could fly, but he broke his arm when he jumped off a building. Oh. And he would try to get other kids to do the same things. And he would be like, you need to be led by the angel of death. So um, what were these kids' parents saying? Well, they so the neighbors were all, they, they all felt really bad about a situation. And they knew that his home life was terrible, but they were also like, you do need to stay away from that kid because he's weird. I mean, yeah, it's like unsafe. It's it's scary. Yeah. Um, yeah. So who? Oh, it was H.H. H. Holmes who had that one friend that he pushed out of a tree and broke his arm. 
Yeah, that's like what I'm expecting to come soon. It's crazy. So, yeah, uh, they felt bad for him, but they're like, stay away. That kid ain't right. And then he became like a really intense reader and he studied. Guess who was like his favorite person to study? Like an artist? <laughs> no. <laughs> like a dictator. Hitler? Yes. He was like obsessed with Hitler. He was like, wow, the way that he spoke and could get people under his, no. like on his side, that's amazing. That's no. what he would think. Great. Yeah. So um, commenting on his childhood, Jones stated, quote, I was ready to kill by the end of third grade. I mean, I was so aggressive and hostile. I was ready to kill. Nobody gave me love, any understanding. In those days, as in those days, a parent was supposed to go with a child uh, to school functions. There was some kind of school performance and everybody's parent was there. But mine, I'm standing there alone, always was alone. He's still talking about performing. That's <laughs> just like. He's like, it's my one thing. When He's I'm like, on stage. so I, I do like to murder, but it really kills me that no one watched me perform. Not even my they parents. They didn't come up. They didn't have any flowers. Um, well, that's a chilling quote. Really sad. And yeah, I mean. But again, we've said this before. People have traumatic experiences and then don't go on to kill people. Literally. Mm-hmm, we can so. have empathy for anyone's, you know, being neglected as a mommy child. Mommy issues. Yes, mommy issues. Daddy yeah. issues, all the above. You know we have Wikipedia for a reason. <laughs> exactly. And, exactly. Yeah. And there it is. Our stepfather of Wikipedia. <laughs> um, so... Also, he was known to dress um, in his Sunday church clothes every day to school. So he was also that kid in like a suit, which I also don't know how he afforded if he was poor, but he like, I think would slick his hair back and like the same suit every day. I don't know. I mean, surely I can't imagine he's like can afford all these like three piece suits. It's like, that's why we don't have electricity because it goes to the suits. (laughs) He's like, it is worth it. It's worth every minute of it. But also, okay, his religious views, of course, alienated him from other young people. He frequently confronted them for drinking beer, smoking and dancing. We all knew a kid like that. (laughs) They all did. It's like, you're killing the vibe. Damn and dancing. And this was in the 70s? He was born... No, not yet. This was even earlier. He was born in um, 1931. So this was probably (laughs) like the 40s, 50s. We'll oh, get to the it 70s. It happened in the 70s. Yes, Jonestown okay, happened I'm kind in of the high and I thought he was born in 1978. No, no, no. no. So okay. it's like, a, which almost, almost makes it more haunting that he's like in the 40s, 50s. I don't know. And like in a little suit, like speaking tongues. Haunting. It's disgusting. And he would like, at times he would even interrupt other young people's events and insist that they read the Bible with them. So I'm sure they'd be at a dance and be like, guys, guys, stop it. Let's uh, take a moment and read together. Like leave room for Jesus. Leave of, room for Jesus. God, like what a buzzkill. Gross. Cut it out. So he had no friends at all. No friends. Like l- not not one. Did he None. Look weird too. Like I imagine him looking very. He actually like, didn't. And okay, so when he gets older, so I can like paint a picture in your head, he looks like a bad Elvis impersonator or impersonator. Oh yeah, I'm picturing him like eerily thin. No, he wasn't. I mean, he wasn't ever like really big but he wasn't like scrawny like how manson was yeah i'm thinking of him as like rasputin you know what i mean he's not that bad like without it being that grand like the human version of rasputin no like add a little more okay a little more curve okay um he's curvy he's a curvy lady um so he also if you couldn't guess already he was not into sports um but he didn't like sports um not to like stereotype people like you don't you know whatever you guys you guys know our hearts what were you gonna say (laughs) 
But he hated sports because he hated losing so bad and he lost all the time, which I get. I'm like, this isn't fun if I'm not getting some reward. I mean, that was like me playing sports. <laughs> I was like, what's <laughs> the point of this? anymore. Well, so he t- coached kids teams instead, which is a little weird. And it was around this time that he noticed the treatment or the different treatment of the African-Americans who were in attendance at the baseball game. So he started seeing like, oh, there's some racial disparity around me and I don't like it. Oh, he didn't like it. He. This is the big thing, the thing about Jim Jones that we will see. I'm oh, saying no. it now. He is so into integration. Fuck. Because that, that's like this like loophole when people are like, but he's a really good guy. So that's the thing. Also, with like evil people, you're kind of like, they have to, if they're evil, they're evil in every single way. Yeah. But I guess he Not. had one good quality about him. But I also don't, I think he... Maybe he would be like one of those women, like Sunstrack, being like, I don't see color. I don't see color. <laughs> Whatever. But it was just like a way to like get everyone together that he can manipulate. Right. Because if like your vision is to like be a leader of a cult, then you probably just want everyone, every single person. But not you always can't even like, like Manson oh, was super actually. racist. Oh, that's true. I don't know. I'm like, let's think that cult leaders <laughs> can really be accepting. Yeah. Let's like find their good qualities. But anyway, so he was super into that. And actually, it was a big problem in his home because his dad was in the KKK. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so his dad and him got in a lot of arguments and became estranged because of his dad's racism. He um, he uh, didn't let one of um, Jim Jones' black friends enter their home. And so then they had a falling out after that. So, oh, no. Yeah, crazy. So his parents end up divorcing, and him and his mom move to a different part of Indiana. He graduates high school, and then he starts working at a, at a hospital as an order, orderly. I don't know what an orderly is. I think it's like an assistant. Scary that he's at a hospital. Scary. So, But he starts dating a nurse named Marceline Baldwin. Oh, is she a Baldwin? <laughs> I don't think there's any relation to Alec nor Haley, but I'm I can't confirm that. Okay, let us know. Yeah, you guys do. That's your homework. Mm-hmm. And he starts going to college, and then him and Marceline get married in 1949. He's about 18, and then they moved to Indianapolis. And in early 1952, Jim Jones announced to his wife and her family that he was ready to become a minister. Oh, God. And he took the position of a student pastor at a Methodist church. However, his radical beliefs on interracial worship and outreach caused an argument between them, and he uh, got fired from his position. But I also found that he was caught stealing money from the congregation as well. (laughs) probably a little bit of both. (laughs) Yeah, so I think that both of these things can be true. Yeah. Um, And at age 25, he starts... He starts a church in Indianapolis, the People's Temple, and is the first racially integrated church in Indiana. I have to say the People's Temple is a chic name. <laughs> you know? It, like, it, it sounds simple. like a wellness spa. It does. Wow. It is a chic name. At least he got that right. Okay. <laughs> the bar is so low. <laughs> the bar is so low. <laughs> um, so he... Um, became he becomes a hero in the black community of Indianapolis. Um, everyone said he was so captivating, but I think this is such bullshit. He tries to relate him being an outcast as a kid oh. to his black community and being like, I understand how you feel because I was ostracized. White people love to do this. They do. And it's like, sh- take a seat. It's, I mean, like you see it everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, he did that a lot. Um, but In 1960, Indianapolis mayor appointed Jim Jones director of the local Human Rights Commission. And during his time as commission director, he helped uh, racially integrate churches, restaurants, and the telephone telephone company and the police department. Oh, a theater, of course. Of course. And an amusement park. 
and the hospital. So crazy. an amusement park. Wow, you just really like checked off <laughs> all like the boxes. all grounds. Like, and a water park. Of course. <laughs> of course. It's just so crazy that like, wow, I don't know like what he's done yet. Oh, it, this feeling will fade fast for you. I'm like, but this is the thing about my like, wow. In the beginning, you're like, that sounds great. Right. My mom and I watched the whole docuseries together and the way he was talking in the middle, she, it, in the beginning, she was like, wow, this does sound. You have to catch, because it's like being charismatic. And that's really all in the is. beginning, everything is fun and games. And then when they have you, that's when they show their true colors. Damn. Scary. So, um, and he always talked about himself as a family man. He adopted many kids of different races. Uh, him and his wife did. They only have one biological son. And he called his family the Rainbow Family to show that all races could live together in harmony. They're like reminding me of that family in It Takes Two with Mary and Ashley, the bump kisses oh, or whatever. Yes. At the end, like those creepy kind of like. <laughs> well, it's like you're doing, you're doing the most. The most. And like sometimes, yeah. Well, so his kids actually hated that because they were like, this all is for show. Yes. And treat me like a child. Exactly. You're a child. Exactly. And like adopt me because you love me. Don't make a whole big thing like this. That is gross. Yeah. They, him and his wife were actually the first family in Indiana to adopt a black child. That's crazy. For a white couple to adopt a black child. Crazy. Um, and they named that child Jim Jones Jr. Yeah. I see a name change in his future. Yep, you are correct about that, Tess. Yeah. Um, but actually, he has since changed his name back. We'll get there. Oh, oh no. Crazy. So um, so he also, Jim Jones, called his congregation a rainbow family as well. Because he was like, every race, creed, all of that is welcome here. Gender. Did he let gay people in? I don't know. Uh <laughs> We'll talk about sexuality later, but mm. I think that that wasn't quite ex- accepted. Although Harvey Milk later, who is a huge, you know, um, gay politician, which we should cover in yes, June, yes, was like an advocate for Jim Jones at one point. So maybe he was accepting of that before he knew. Before he knew, for sure. Oh, okay. Before he knew, of course. <laughs> of course. He's like, and it's like I'm sticking by I my. I'm endorsing this. Um, okay, so the temple, People's Temple, is growing in Indianapolis. It's just a church at this point, but he wanted more power. So where does he go? California, California. We need one more. So he needs to get his followers to California. Mm. But how does he do that? Scare people. Then they'll follow you. Oh, smart. So he he starts (laughs) prophesizing a nuclear war that would strike on July 15th, 1967. And he's like, we got to get out now. He um, came up with this idea because he saw an article on Esquire saying the safest places in America to be if there was a nuclear war. I think there's like still articles like that. Crazy. But also around this time, they like my mom was talking about, she's like, oh, yeah, we used to do nuclear bomb drills where they would get under the desks and stuff crazy also what's that gonna do at that point you know what i'm saying literally i mean it's so true so dark so dark um so he starts prophesizing that and Mm. it works and in 1965 jim jones and his family and about 140 church members moved to redwood valley california and then oh. it was like this, yeah, Redwood Valley. Do you know where that is? Oh, I was thinking Redwood City is right by Palo Alto. It's, it's Northern California, oh. though, I think. So it's probably in that area. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it was like a whole different type of group because you've got like the West Coast. And you had a lot of actually um, like white elite people that were in that area that became attracted to the People's Temple as well. It's kind of like how it is now in San Francisco. Totally. The white elite. Totally. Like they would do something like this in a very different 
exactly way. and they're like we are accepting yeah. all people yeah yeah <laughs> you know the, the thing tale as well as time exactly so he wanted power and he wanted to like build his own kingdom and he started preaching socialism hardcore which is so random because again like lots of aspects are of socialism are amazing right it's like for the people and he's obsessed with it and he wanted everyone to have like every human should have their basic needs met which is great right so he starts preaching communal living and then no. he started asking, <laughs> not right okay this is where we stop you guys this is why i think that i'm safe from a cult because i mm-hmm. don't have the energy for group activities i don't have the energy to not have my own space exactly like i, I didn't barely want to share a hotel room at this point in my life well same so that's like kind of the thing also with religion of like going to group activities twice a week even <laughs> just <laughs> no yeah that's why i yeah that's a good point i'm probably safe too yeah too much social like too much socializing too much socializing that's the only and thing like sharing yeah you know? i don't love that no <laughs> so but he was like we're, we're all gonna live in houses together and like a house of six would actually like he would put like 12 people in there and make them live on or sleep on a mattress but he was using socialism to control people because it was like you need to sacrifice your material goods for the greater good, but it's just a way to make you give up your individuality, your identity. Ugh, classic. We've seen this before. Classic. We've also seen... Mm, oh, no. He didn't want people having sex. This is like David Koresh from Waco. He, uh, he said sexual energy should be used for the cause, but of course, he was having sex. With all of them? Um, yeah, with all of them. Well, he said... So Jim Jones actually said... That everyone was um, a former, or sorry, a former temple member said that Jim said that all of us were homosexuals. Oh. Everyone except for him, that he was the only heterosexual on the planet, and that all women were lesbians and all the men were gay. And so anyone who showed interest in sex was just compensating. Never heard that one before. <laughs> Everyone's like, wait, what? And I compensate yeah. for wait, like, what? Say that, say that one more time. But then also, like, <laughs> even if people were gay, they're still gonna have like sexual desire. Yeah, lock anyone up and <laughs> humans just want to have sex with each other. Yeah, so I just like don't even understand what he means by that. Um, but he started um he like, wanted to be looked at as a family man, but he started having affairs, like a ton, ton of affairs. And of course he told women that having sex with him was an honor for them to be closer to God, all which is same. what David Koresh said. They're too. all the fucking same. Didn't Manson say that too? I'm sure. Yes. Manson was, well, Manson was like, I am God. So if you're having right. sex with me, you're having sex it's like with it's God. A, it's a no brainer. Exactly. So it's all the same thing. God. And also with families, um, he would split families up. So if you had kids, he was like, which is also kind of what they did at Waco where they were like, we're all taking care of each other's kids. But it was just a way to like tear families apart. To make them more like weak? Yeah. Like to make them be like, someone's not going like to be fighting for you. Like, God, that's horrible. So, and he also wanted people to call him a Marceline father and mother. Like they were the father and mother of everyone. So if you had a kid, someone else would be looking after your kid. He said family relationships were the sickest of all. That's what he said. Which again, it's like jealous. Je- jealous. Oh, honey. Jealous. Projecting. I'm doing Candace from Potomac. <laughs> yeah, projecting. Projecting. Wow. That's so true. Um, and again, with the socialism, give up your, uh, your material things. Members who joined People's Temple turned over all their assets to the church in exchange for free room and board, or members who worked outside of the temple turned over their income to be used for the benefit of the community. He said to one of his followers, quote, keep them poor and keep them tired and they'll never leave. 
if he said that to me, I'd be like, wait, what'd you say? Yeah, I'd be like, I'm getting out immediately. Immediately. Rude. Well, but they're just, they don't have any self-esteem. <sighs> there it is. And now he's taking their family away. Ugh. Yep. Um, okay. So members who rebelled against Jim Jones' control were punished with reduced food rations because they moved like kind of on farms in Redwood Valley. Like he lived on a mm. huge grape farm. So it wasn't like in a city at this point. Could they like voluntarily leave? They could at this point. But also at this point, you're kind of like, I'm doing something for the greater good. They're still believing all this stuff. And there's like no other options probably for them. Right. Well, not yet. And then we'll see how they get them to stay soon. Mm. But if you were like rebelling against or questioning anything, they would reduce your food rations. They would make you have harsher work schedules, which was a lot of like agricultural work. Once again, not for me. No, no, no. Although construction. Construction is different. (laughs) But I mean, if it was a nice garden, but I don't think it was gardening. No, no. Um, Public ridicule and humiliation and sometimes physical violence. Um, As uh, Temple's membership grew, he created an armed security group to ensure order among his followers and to guarantee his own personal safety. So, Tess, he would wear um, sunglasses inside all the time. He had signature aviators. Oh, my God. All the also, time. be a little bit more, like, unique. Well, also, I'm just, like... This godly man. He... But he, again, like, looks like he's trying to be a rock star so bad. But do you know another reason why he wore his um, sunglasses? Hmm. Well, he told people that he wore them all the time inside was because the spirit of the Lord was so strong that if you looked him, that he, the, inside of him, that if you looked him in the eyes, he would be burned. Okay. <laughs> but really, it was because he was on so many drugs that his eyes were so bloodshot. Oh, he was like, I am rolling out of my mind. <laughs> and you can barely see the white in my eyes. Like, literally. He, he, um, much... <laughs> Um, he would be addicted. Or he would take uppers to go up. He was addicted oh. to amphetamines. And then he was ad- addicted to tranquilizers He's to go down. Those, like, what do you want from me? You want to go up? You want to go down? <laughs> Always the brain. What do you want? What do you want? So he was like addicted to drugs and his eyes looked crazy. So that's the real oh, reason. So d- that probably started pretty quickly, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Again, compensating. <laughs> right. Yeah, so that's tough. Oh, Jesus. Um, he frequently warned followers that there were um, enemies seeking to destroy them. So again, it's like, let's, like, wake, sorry, I'm going to stop comparing, but it's just, like, so hard not to compare. Like, in Waco, they're like, the government is against yes, us. Yes, there has to be some evil or else you don't have that kind of will to stay in that environment. Like, you have to be so scared of something. And isn't that religion? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I know yeah. there's a lot of different like extents of what that means. Again, if you're just not hurting people, that's all. It's just frustrating to see that religion has come into play in our like yes. government to repress people. It, yes, if you're not hurting anyone, if you're not controlling anyone, then live your life. Then do your thing. Yeah. But also, like, take a chill pill. Take a chill pill and just take a look at things. You it, know. Mm, yes. Self reflection. Exactly. So the identity of the enemy changed over time from the Ku Klux Klan to the Nazis to the redneck vigilantes. And finally, it was the American government. Do you think he did the KKK first? His dad. Like his dad. Probably. Probably. Oh, there's like so much there too. It all goes back to wow. the parents. Jesus. I mean, everything. Everything. Um, he 
frequently prophesies that fires, car accidents, death, or injury would come upon anyone of or any of the unfaithful to him and his teaching teachings, and he constantly pressed to his followers to be aggressive in pro- promoting and fulfilling his beliefs. Also, what I thought about, it was like he prophesied that nuclear bomb was going to happen, and then it never happened. Was no one like, "Hey, what's going on here?" Yeah, I wonder what he told them. Yeah, because to, I didn't find know? anything in that of like a follow up. I mean, he probably didn't let them like read the paper. Yeah, that's true. You know, true. like how else were they getting news? Maybe he was like, it happened. That's true. Um, so obviously people were going out, what's it called? Evangelizing. Is that when you go out and like promote things? Oh. But also he spread the word and he got money for his, for himself because he would do healings. He was really big on healings. He's like at the farmer's market. <laughs> He's like, like, also $10 a pop? Literally, it's like, come for healing, anyone. Um, He would, so like, if someone, he would stand up, there's like footage of it. We'll have to post it on Instagram. And he would be like, do you have a headache? And she'd be like, yeah. And then he would like shake his head and then be like, do you feel better now? And she's like, oh my God, I do. It scares me for like the human race. It's crazy. So people were like, oh my God, there's this man that he's healed all these people. One time. A woman broke her leg. So they um, took her to the hospital and she had a cast on. And the next service, they were like, cut her cast off because he's going to heal her. And so they cut her cast off and he heals her. And he's like, now run. She starts sprinting up the aisle, up and down, jumping up and down. Tess, they had drugged that woman, put a cast on her. When she woke up, he was like, you broke your leg, but don't worry, I'm going to heal you. And then they cut her cast off, and she thought that she had broken her leg and been healed by him. That is like such commitment to getting some attention. <laughs> it is the ul- like theater kid theater energy. Kid. He's like, we're going to do the ultimate scene. Yes, it's going to be a trick. Method acting. <laughs> and I drugged you to get here. Can you believe? I, I cannot. So, and then also like cancer was a big thing, which was really sad that he said he healed. And I also oh, saw God. something that he would take like chicken tenders from the store, like raw chicken tenders and put it in a bag and be like, this is the cancer that I healed from this person's body, which also doesn't make sense because if you heal it, you're not doing surgery. I don't know. God, these people must have just not, before they got here, been very smart too. Well, I think that they were just so desperate. Well, also at this time, you don't have like social media to see how much of this has gone on before and you didn't have podcasts like us to warn you. That is true. But Always always plugging. Exactly. But this woman apparently um, had cancer and then had had treatment before. She got it again and he said that he was going to heal her, but she just wasn't praying hard enough. So she never got treatment and she died. And it's so sad. That is so sad. They were like, something nefarious is going on. That, I think some people I've were I've heard of that happening before, where people that are like insanely religious think yeah. that they don't need like chemo or they don't need... It's really sad. It's really sad. <sighs> so people's temple starts to grow and so does his need for money. So in 1972, they buy a fleet of Greyhound buses and they start going across the country. Mm. They would keep some empty room on the buses so that if they met someone, they could just hop on the bus right then and there and go back to California with them. They're going on tour. (laughs) They're going on tour. He starts telling pictures of himself that he says he's blessed. And so people are like, this is a blessed blessed picture of Reverend Jim Jones. Uh Uh-huh. And it works like they start recruiting people. Guys, there's like other celebrities to be fascinated by, you know? They just, they should, they really needed TikTok at that time. Yeah, like they, more content, really more did. celebrities, more people to look up to. 
Um, he starts, uh, in his church newspaper, he starts using that as propaganda making up stories about the government being out to get them, which like also a lot of this stuff reminds me about Trump, Mm, like scaring people, making up stories so that they're powerful. Wow. That's so true. It's really scary. And so then he would like, he would also put some true news things in the newspaper. So it was like, there was some truth that you would like believe all of it. Exactly. So now we're in isolation mode and, um, He's just lying to people and scaring them, and he's making it to where they're going to church more and more until, at the end of the day, all they're doing is church, which, again, too much much group activities. Also, just boring. Boring. Like, you want to be around all those people all the time. Like, literally, get some variety is the spice of life. (laughs) Exactly. So I just can't imagine. So then people, all their life was was, um, the church. Okay, so... Speaking of propaganda and paranoia and the government's against us, right? One afternoon after a Sunday service, they're having a cookout and everyone's standing outside. And then suddenly gunshots fired and Jim Jones falls to the ground and he's like blood is pouring out of him. So everyone is like, (laughs) I know where this is going. This is crazy. So everyone's like, oh my God, father has been shot. He's been shot. He's down. He's like, obviously freaking out because he um you know has just been shot everyone's screaming someone's just tried to kill jim jones so he gets carried off by security and stuff to go get help everyone's in the temple they're freaking out they're like what we're gonna what are we gonna do they're after us suddenly (laughs) the door is open and one of jim's security guards walks in with the shirt he was wearing that had blood stains on it and two holes that looked like it had been poked through with fingers and then Jim Jones walks in behind him with not a scratch on him. And everyone starts freaking out because he has healed himself. Come to find out, those shots were his securities and they were blank. They were firing off like the blank rounds or whatever. So it was fake. So he fell down. And the details are still, people don't know how he did it of like making the fake blood come out. And stuff. I'm sure he had a fun time <laughs> coming up with that. He is the ultimate theater he kid. Is, he's also like a tech kid. Yes. And it's totally. like, that's not good of what is worse. And that's for a different time. It's the darkness between the both of them. In one person. And he walks out and he's like, I'm healed, baby. I would smack him across his little face. <laughs> and everyone is like, he is God. He is so obnoxious. He's so annoying. He's so, like, he's so annoying. He's that person who, like, sings really loud in front of everyone for attention so that, that you'll be like, oh, that was really good. Oh, my God. He's reminding me of that Asian kid on Pen15, you know, the theater episode where he's like, I'm freezing right now <laughs> and I can make my skin 106 degrees. And just, like, going around for people to touch his and arms. Like, like, please unwanted. stop. That's what he's reminding me that of. That is Jim Jones. So, okay, they're uh, like, great, we're growing in the Redwoods, but we need to go to San Francisco because that's where the power is. Always got to go to San Francisco. Always got to go. So they head into San Francisco, and he gets more involved with politics. And uh, people start realizing that you need to schmooze um, Jim Jones because he has so many numbers behind him and so many people. And so politicians would, like, meet with him, and they were like, well, you got to get the Jim Jones vote because then you get all of these people. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> Um, he, like, after the People's Temple's participation proved instrumental in the mayoral election in 1975, he was appointed, Jim Jones was appointed as the chairman of the San Francisco Housing Authority Commission. 
literally why (laughs) give it up why were they like kissing his ass it's annoying he well he must like he's definitely a narcissist so i feel like Mm, he's also a psychopath so yeah he can be charming and believable exactly so scary things yeah that's great so he's getting more power and he's starting to take more drugs and he's getting more paranoid and so he creates the planning commission in the people's temple and these were the people who were closest to him they ran they kind of ran the people's temple but like what they really did was spy on people in the group and they were like this person seems to be doubting things this person talked back to this person always. this is always what happens they are the, the groups they, gets clicking totally and these are the rats of the group mm. um and people would get called into the planning commission's office if you did something wrong in your life and they would beat the shit out of you it was men and women would beat the shit out of you and they would like scream these terrible things and verbally attack you and jim jones did the same thing they did they did this to a teenager who was 15 who talked back to like someone on the commission or something like that oh my god it's, so it's, now it's getting like very very scary now it's getting that's what i think in san francisco is when people really started to see him change like with all the drug abuse and he was crazy too and so this is when it starts to get dark um uh, was he smoking like weed i don't i mean maybe probably i'm sure he sprinkled weed in there but i think he went for the heavy stuff like acid like pcp kind of shit like i think probably i like speed and then like ketamine or something or no um quaaludes definitely oh this was the time of quaaludes tis the season for quaaludes (laughs) make the merch (laughs) walking around with the t-shirt that says tis the season here quaaludes okay they would even do things like he would create boxing matches of really big people versus really small people and he would stand to the side and laugh and i'm gonna insert a clip of his laugh So he, I feel sick. People were, it's at this time that people, like, because they knew that people were spying on them and that they would get physical abuse, that people were starting to be like, um, I'm questioning, questioning things. They would also, <laughs> speaking of making it hard to leave, they would give people a blank piece of paper and they would be like, sign this piece of paper. And you were in a room full of like the, um, like the group that's watching over you or whatever. So it was really hard to say no. If you were like, I don't really want to sign this. They'd be like, oh, you don't believe? Why don't you believe? Later tests, they would take that piece of paper and write things on it that would <clears throat> make people look like they had done t- terrible things. Like mothers, they would take that blank piece of paper and write that it was an omission of them molesting their children. Oh my God. So that if they ever left, they would say, well, we have this on you and we will put this out there and your signatures on it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So once you're in, it's hard to get out. Oh, that's so scary. Um, But by this point, people are like, there's some people are like, we need to get out of here. But they would have to sneak out in like the middle of the night. Like you can't just walk out. No. So um, one woman, one woman told her kids that she was thinking of leaving. And I assumed that they were like late teens or adults. She told them, she said, I'm leaving the church. And they said, we love you. And we just hope when you leave that you move far away so that we aren't the ones assigned to kill you. And he would tell people who leaves, he was like, be expecting in three days for you and your family to be in a terrible accident. Oh my God. So he would scare the shit out of these people. Even though he never did anything, he would scare the shit out of them. Um. <sighs> And one woman actually leaves um, at one point in the middle of the night, but her son, who was Jim Jones' illegitimate son, she left him there. 
Damn. Yeah. Which is really complicated, and we'll get to whole, her whole story. Oh, but um, So people who are leaving, though, are starting to talk to the press. And articles are starting to be released and people are like, wait, what's going on in San Francisco? And so things are picking up a little more. Well, thank God. Thank God. So Jim Jones knows that what he's doing, he can't do in America anymore. He's yeah. like, law enforcement's going to start picking up that I'm doing illegal shit. Yeah. So he was like, how do I get out of here? So he decides to make a settlement in the South American country of Guyana in 1973. He's like, let's get out of America. I had never heard of Guyana. Guyana? Oh, oh God. Now is it Guyana or Guyana? I think it's Guyana, which is a very important thing to know. Right answer is though. Oh, okay. So he chooses Guyana because it's socialist. <laughs> He's obsessed with socialism. Get a hobby. Get a hobby. Um, mostly minority and the only country in South America that the national language is English. And he works out a deal with the Guyanese government for a, le- for a lease of over 3,800 acres in the, uh, in the jungle, located 150 miles west of the capital, which was Georgetown. Oh, God, it's getting scary because they're going to the jungle. Tess, they're going to the motherfucking jungle. Oh, this is just, this is where the story really turns. This is bad. Yeah, this is where it this turns. Is the part of the movie that you're like, this is the second VHS of Titanic. That you don't want to put in, but you know you have to. You know you have to. We're, we are switching the tapes. Okay, switching over. So he, he starts sending crews of people out there to build out his own town, and he calls it Jonestown after his last name. Classic. Douchey. Douchey as hell. So douchey. So he was like, guys, this is our promised land. We're going to build our own town. We're going to grow our own food. We're going to be free of racism. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so as as more bad press starts getting out in San Francisco, he's like, okay, we have to speed this up and get everyone out and over to Jonestown. So in the summer of 1977, Jim Jones and several hundred temple members began shipping out to Jonestown. They would deposit deposit their money into church accounts, and then they lined them up with passports. And because the media attention was starting to get out and get intense, they would fly people out of different airports around the country, and they would use different airlines, and they would only travel in groups of three, and they wouldn't sit together so that people weren't like, what is this mass exodus to Guyana? Guyana? That's crazy. They're just, I just imagine them like all parachuting. It's like, guys, calm down. <laughs> They're just like, they're like, let's make an entrance. <laughs> in like costume? It's too much. Definitely in costume. <laughs> it's too much. It is. So they do that. Um, and we have to mention, I don't know, let me look up how you say Guyana or Guyana, because I can't keep saying it wrong, because mm. it is the place where they are. Okay. Guyana. 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 Okay, Guyana. Guyana. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we got it. Guyana. Um, okay. We have to talk about how isolated Guyana is. 160 miles of it can't be driven. So you can't really get there, like get to it with a car. Terrifying. Terrifying. Um, so Jonestown is the, or Jonestown is, um, the closest town is the capital Georgetown. And it's a 19 hour boat trip. Oh my god! From Georgetown to Jonestown. So you can either take a boat down uh, down the river, which is a 19-hour boat trip, or you have to fly over the jungle and land on a tiny airstrip. And then from that airstrip, I think it's like an 11-mile car ride to Jonestown. So it is like you so can't pick that with a purpose. You couldn't get more isolated. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so sinister. 
to like do the research of being like, where can I take like these people from around the world? Where they're stranded. I know. In the middle real, of nowhere. That's so scary. Yep. Um, so he develops a full town. They have a doctor's office, a pharmacy, a school. A pharmacy. A pharmacy. Well, he's like, I got to get my drugs. <laughs> yeah, he's like, first things first. The play, the theater, and the pharmacy. <laughs> and the drugs. Most important. Um, and he built this from scratch in the middle of the jungle. Um, at its peak in 1978, Jonestown population was a, a slightly over 900, 900 people oh God. living in the jungle. Um, for the se- first several months, Temple members worked six days a week from approximately 6.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. with an hour for lunch. And they were told that this was being a good socialist to be working and building the place nonstop. And after the day's work ended, Temple members would attend several hours of activities in a pavilion, including classes and socialism. Oh, my God. I'd have a mental breakdown. I would just, how are these people happy? No, because when we're done drugs. with our day, drugs. Well, when we're done with our day, we're going to watch VPR. Literally, we're like, don't talk to don't me. Don't talk to me. Unless we're talking about VPR. I, I can't imagine. Oh, my God. I'd be v- like, get out. Get out. <laughs> VPR is our cult. It is our socialism. It is. And we are proud of it. We are. So they're quickly finding out that where they're living in Jonestown can't be sustainable. It was built on soil that wasn't fertile. And it was actually far from, like, rivers. Um, it was super hard to grow anything. So they really just ate rice and beans, which is my nightmare. Oh, I mean, this <laughs> is your nightmare. Oh, my God. That would be, like, maybe even... I'm just not you know you're, big, you know you're safe. I, yes. You know you are safe. I would be safe from Jonestown because I don't like group activities and I don't like rice and beans. Wow. I like it okay, but you know what I mean. It's, you don't like it and it's okay. <laughs> you don't have to lie. I will eat it if it's on my plate, mm. but what's new? Okay. And so occasionally they would eat some meat and have some sauce and eggs, but despite having an <sighs> estimate, estimate 26 million dollars by 1978 um they didn't really use it because jones just kept it to himself um they oh, live so they're just eating rice and beans rice and with- beans but apparently his place had a fridge with soft drinks and good food classic i wonder what was his favorite soda coke in both ways you know what i'm saying oh uh <laughs> was it really i don't know oh i was like wow you knew that fun fact now, i i could see him being a pepsi guy or a Mountain Dew. Oh my God, he's totally a Mountain you know Dew I mean? guy. He is a hundred percent a Mountain Dew guy. <sighs> that's, oh wow, that's, that's haunting. a lot to unpack. That is a lot to unpack. That's like the most disturbing thing about this man. So for a year, it seems like the commune was run primarily through social security checks received by members. So they would get their social security check and just give it to the church. Up to $65,000 in monthly welfare payments from U.S. government agencies to Jonestown residents were signed over to the temple. Mm. So in that way, it's kind of crazy that the American government is like, in a way, sustaining this place. Did they know? Who? The government? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they did start finding out because I remember reading that they asked people, Are you do you feel safe here? And they're like, Yeah, this is what I want to do. I'm not being forced to do this. Well. Brainwashing. Brainwashing. So one of the members was like, Listen, I got used to the work, but what I didn't get used to was the sirens at night. So he had these like speakers set up in the camp. And then he would put on sirens in the middle of the night. And then he would get on the loudspeaker. He was so drugged out. And he would just start going on rants. And then he would just start slowing, slurring his words. He would literally be like, yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. And people were like, what the fuck is going on? And then he would also like randomly freak out on the loudspeaker. And he was like, this is a quote. 
you people all tighten me up. God damn you, you sons of bitches. God damn you. Because you sons of bitches, you sons of bitches, anything I do, you got to do. God damn you. Why don't you work like I do? Why don't you take burdens like I do? And he would just go off on rants. God. So then people are starting to be like, you're now starting to be hurtful. <laughs> Why are you attacking me? Like that, that you don't have to bring it there. Yeah. Like what the actual fuck? And Jim Jones starts to realize that his town is falling apart and that they can't sustain being there. But also, I'm like, you guys have $26 million. Like, do something. Literally, Jim Jones, like, in this town, <laughs> money doesn't talk. It swears. Stop. <laughs> Should we assign housewife taglines to all of our RAM subjects? We have to. This is the wow. way to get the Bravo community. Wow. In. That's a great idea. That is a great Write idea. Write that down. Okay. <laughs> So he's losing his mind. He's taking more drugs. The punishments are becoming so severe. They would put people in a six by four by three foot box. They would put, they would force children to spend a night at the bottom of a well, sometimes upside down. Oh, they've gone too far. They've gone too far. You've gone too far, Lisa Vanderpump. Um, (laughs) And you couldn't trust anyone. Kids would turn their parents Uh. in. So if anyone asks you, do you like Jonestown? People would be like, oh my gosh, I love it here because now they're physically isolated so it's like yeah well, what can you do terrified to get in trouble or get like beat up yep and their mail was censored so if your family if you had to write things to your family like they would read it and you had to just be like it's all great here and then the family start getting sp- suspicious because they would send mail and it would get sent back being like do not try to reach out to me again so they're like what is happening Oh, my God. And people, like, asked a survivor later, well, why didn't people leave? Again, they didn't have money, they didn't have a passport, and they were in the middle of the jungle. So so the families start getting concerned, and the people who have left the cult before form this thing called the Concerned Concerned Relatives, and this was their group. And it, um, yeah, it was ex-members and concerned families. Um, one woman, Grace Stowen, who who I was mentioning earlier, she escaped the cult in San Francisco, but she left her son which is really sad and hard and it's hard for me to understand because it's like, how do you leave your child in that? I think she thought I'm going to leave, get help and then come back. (sighs) I think she probably thought, I don't know what it's like to be in that situation, but I think she was like, if I don't get out of here, I have no chance of getting my son out of here and I just have to get out of here. Right. Of like, I can be stronger without him for that period or like if i because he was also one of jim jones kids like illegitimate kids so i think she also thought like he would hurt like kill them well right like what if it was like if we get caught like he would be the first to go i just i don't i don't know i it's so horrible to think about um that is terrible yeah so she sues jim jones to get custody custody of her son back um, which is also his son. And there was an arrest order if he didn't comply. And Jim Jones lies to his congregation saying that this woman's trying to get her kid back, but she's done terrible things to her kid and we're keeping him safe here with us. Um, and he also knows that he can't let that he can't let this woman take her son back because that will symbolic symbolically mean that like the outside world can come in and control them and take things away from them and then ex members might try to get other family members out. Oh god! So it's like if he does it for this kid, so he starts making up this lie that the government is attacking them. And this is what we call the six-day siege, which started in September of 1977. And he gathers everyone up, and he's like, they're coming for our children. They're coming for all of us. And he gets everyone riled up. They're all screaming and chanting. And it was a six-day 
thing where all these temper or tem- tempers temple members were armed and just waiting outside day and night with like guns waiting for attacks he was like they're gonna drop from parachutes speaking of parachutes, parachutes it always comes back to parachutes <laughs> and he's like it we are going to attack and then he starts talking about revolutionary suicide and then he's like if we can't stay together because of our enemies we're all gonna die together he somehow convinces the Guyanese how do we say Um, I think it's Guyanese though Guyanese because it's Guyana Guyana Guyanese he convinces the prime minister to drop the arrest charges I don't know how and so the six days siege ends and the kid her kid remains in Guyana and the oh, all the God. followers the whole time thought they were under attack from the government. And the whole time they didn't realize that it was just over a custody battle. Oh, my God. Crazy. So in 1978, the relatives, the concerned relatives, start to contact Congress. And Congressman uh, Leo Ryan, he had a reputation of being a man who was willing to investigate. Like, he went the extra mile to fight for what was right. Um, like when he learns that baby seals were getting killed for like their fur and their skin, he went up to where they were and he um, he threw his body in front of the, one of the seals to protect it from a hunter. Wow. Hero. Hero, truly. So he just seems like a guy who was like really fought for causes. So he takes this on and he listens to the concerned family and he's like, okay, we got to do something about it. Let's go to Guyana and see what's going on. Yeah. So Jackie Spear was his legislative counsel at the time. And she was, she said that she was listening to interview tapes before they went. And she was just like, I had this ominous feeling about it. And she said she had a premonition about the trip. I mean, how can you think, how can you think anything good's going to come out of that? I would not want to go. I would, I, I feel like I quit. Uh, same. That would like terrify me. I would, I'd pick I'm going to die. Terrifying. In 1978, Congressman Ryan, Jackie Spear, and members of the media and a few former members and family members of members make the trip to Guyana, um, including the woman whose son was over there that they were having the custody battle. Okay. When they first land, they're told that Jim Jones will not let you in and you can't go to Jonestown. Like, you're not the fucking... <laughs> you're not the like, president. Truly. Get I don't, out. Get out. So finally, after four days, he's like, okay, you guys can come now. <laughs> But Jim Jones, Jim Jones was like, all right, come on over. Oh, boy. But there's only so much room on the two planes that they couldn't take everyone over to Guyana. And so then all of a sudden, all these family members who have people over there start fighting for who gets like a seat on the plane. Because can you imagine going all that way for a family member that you don't know if they're safe or not, and you can't go see them? Oh, my God. Horrible. So they they decide who goes. I think it was mainly media people, though, and the congressman and Jackie Steer, his legislative advisor. Um, the people of Jonestown were told that a congressman was coming and that it was a part of a CIA conspiracy. So they were rehearsed and, like, drilled on what to say. Yep. Uh, but there were quite a few people who heard that the congressman was coming, and he was. they were like, this is my way out. Yeah. And I can finally escape. But they would have to be very secretive about it because the consequences of uh, conspiring to leave was death. But, like, for the group going over, shouldn't they, like, were they prepared for, like, like, shouldn't they have gone with, bring, like, backup, like, police or something? So, apparently, former members tried to warn them and being like, Jim Jones is such an evil man. You you don't know what you're dealing with. And they all thought at this point that all these people are choosing to be over there. They're kind of crazy. It can't be as bad as they think. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jim Jones was tight with Harvey Milk. And, like, he had something where um, Jerry Brown, the governor, went to. Like, people didn't realize what was going on crazy. yet. So, um, 
they they arrive. Um, oh, actually, one man wrote a note that said, "Help us give it, it get out of Jonestown," and he had a plan to give it to him that night. So the congressman and everyone arrives, and they start touring the grounds, and they're like, "Oh my god! Like, how have they built this whole community in they're the like, middle this of is great? <laughs> like, literally, <laughs> like it's crazy." So they were starting to ask people like are you here against your will? And they're like, no, we love it here. What do you think about Jim Jones? He's the best. And then that night, they like throw on this big like entertainment show for them. And then the congressman gets up and is like, you know, it seems like you guys all like being here. And then the crowd like erupts in cheering, but it's not like, yay, Jackie Spears said it was so manic that it was haunting. Like screaming, like, get us help. No, screaming, like, just manic, like, these people aren't oh. right. Like, just something isn't right. Because every, not everyone at this point is like, I want to leave. But oh, they're okay. always, like, brainwashed and something's weird. Yeah. She was like, it wasn't cheering for 30 seconds. It was cheering for minutes, like, five minutes. Where And then the congressman was just standing out there like, what the fuck is He's happening? like, shut up. <laughs> shut Please. up. So um, then he goes back and sits down and then there's another performer that comes up so the guy with the note that says help us get out of jonestown or whatever it's always so tricky it's like in the menu he i have only seen clips of that and i was like not for me Mm. so he has his note and when the performer's up he's like this is perfect time people are distracted Mm. he goes and tries to slip the note into his like kind of elbow like crease the congressman's elbow crease it falls to the ground no no yeah. No. And then a kid no. sees it. And he went, he's trying to slip him a note. He's trying to slip him a note and starts ratting him out. Then the guy picks up the note and hands it to the congressman and went, oh, I think you dropped this. And then walked away. And he was just like, am I going to get killed tonight? I don't know. The congressman reads the note. And then Jackie Spear said that they were like, fuck. Because for a minute they had them fooled. And they were like, people actually are suffering here and they want to get out. So they pull him aside. They find him and like secretively find him. And there's a few other people who are planning and wanting to get out. And um, the congressman's like, okay, we'll leave first thing in the morning. And these people are like, you don't realize we need to leave right now. It's so scary here. But they're like, we're in the middle of nowhere. We literally can't get out of here until tomorrow morning. That guy's going to get killed for writing the note. He should be the first one to go back for protection. That's why he was so scared. So they have to wait a night. Oh. They go to sleep the night. Does he sleep with them in the same room? I don't actually know where they slept, but Jackie Spear said she could not sleep that night. She was like, I wanted to get out of that place, and I knew we were not safe. Let me take a sip of water. Oh, that's so scary. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd be so scared. So the news crew the next day is interviewing Jim Jones, and they're like, do you think people are happy here? And he's like, everyone loves it here. And they're like, really? Then why did someone give us this note? And he shows him the notes that that guy gave him. Are they idiots? Literally. Keep it hush hush. Like, are you kidding me right now? No loyalty. So then Jim Jones knows that something's happening. So then kind of like all hell breaks loose a little bit. Um, people, people heard that and then we're starting to be like, wait, he's open about it. I also want to leave. Oh. And so all of a sudden... People are just like in real time being like, I want to go. I want to go too. And then Jim Jones sees this happening in front of them. Because I feel like they're kind of like, okay, well, if someone else said it, I said it. And we have all these people. We're safe. So um, 
his demeanor begins to change. He becomes so angry. And um, as this is happening, a major storm starts blowing into the camp. And they said that it felt like evil blew into Jonestown. And um, the storm also created so much mud that the trucks to take the people who wanted to leave out got stuck. Oh, so there were trucks. There were trucks. So the trucks go to from there to the airstrip, oh, but you right, couldn't right. drive anywhere else from that. But it was like the news crew trucks. <gasps> no. And I think it was an 11-mile drive. So they can't get out? Not at the moment. And then they also decided that the congressman, uh, sorry, that um, Leo Ryan would stay for the night until, because they were going to get more planes because there was more people than they had yeah, room for. Yeah, someone needs to stay with these people. Yeah, so Leo Ryan was going to stay. But then a man tries to attack him with a knife and said, you're going to die today, motherfucker. Luckily, the other members attacked the guy with the knife, but it cut Leo Ryan a little bit. And then Leo Ryan was like, fuck this. I'm out. I would be too. Same. So he hops on the truck and he's like, I'm going with you guys. Also, who hopped on um, the truck was Larry Hayden. He was one of Jim Jones' most, most faithful followers. Oh. And everyone was like, he is a rat. Do not trust him. He's a plant. Oh. He's not here with us. Oh, smart. The trucks take off. Larry Hayden's in it, the congressman, the media, Jackie Spear, and all these people who want to leave. They make it to the airstrip. And um, as they're waiting for the plane, uh, Leo Ryan is getting interviewed by the press. Jackie Spear starts boarding members onto the plane. And to security, she was like, I don't like that guy. I think he's a plant. You need to frisk him. And I don't want to be on the same plane with him. They frisk him. They don't find anything. Um, so then all of a sudden, a tractor with men from Jonestown show up. It was about eight men. And they're all armed. And the most faithful follower and those men just start shooting. And they start firing off. Jackie Spear um, gets hit. She like crawls under the plane and acts like she's dead. The first few seconds of the shooting were captured on videotape by an NBC cameraman who was killed along with other media members. And um, one woman who tried to leave the cult and then Congressman Leo Ryan was killed after being shot more than 20 times. Yeah. Oh, my God. So that's like one of the big parts in the story is that a congressman was killed. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is so crazy. So one of the survivors was like, I knew every single one of them, and I had known them for years. So it's like your family coming and doing this to you. Oh, God. Yeah. So it's at this time that Jim Jones, back at Jonestown, gets on the speaker and he tells everyone to go to the pavilion that they were going to do something revolutionary. Um, He knew that he was done. Like he knew sending those guys that it was game over. Yeah. And so he didn't want to go alone. So uh, during this time, AIDS prepped a large metal tub with grape flavor aid poisoned with all these chemicals and cyanide. Saw that come in. Yeah. Saw that coming. And this is where we get the term, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Got it. So jo- Jim Jones gets on stage and he makes a speech known as the death tape because it's all recorded. Who recorded it? He recorded it. He recorded so much of his stuff. Of course he did. Narcissist. Narcissist. Um, it's one part he says, quote, you can go down in history saying you choose uh saying you chose your own way to go and it's your commitment to refuse capitalism and in support of socialism. So 
On November 18th, some of Jim Jones' sons were actually at a basketball tournament. And his sons find out, and they rush to the U.S. Embassy um, that I guess was in Georgetown. And they were like, you have to help us. Our dad is doing something fucking crazy. They were like not vibing with it. And they, the U.S. Embassy was like, it's a Saturday. We're closed. We can't help you with anything. Wow. Because they were speaking through like one of those like intercom speakers outside of oh, the gate. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So no one would help them, even though they knew that their dad was like trying to do a revolutionary suicide thing. So they go back to Jonestown. And one of Jim Jones' most loyal followers had already, um, this is extremely dark and graphic, had already slit her children's throat and then slit her own throat. So they knew something bad was happening. Jones is telling people that they're coming for for us. The U.S. Army will be here. They're going to take our kids, and we can't let them do that. We have to take our lives into our own hands. So they were instructed to give the Kool-Aid to the kids first. Because if the kids die, then the adults will want, not want to have any will to live. So that will be the easiest thing. So he makes all of his parents poison their children. Um, they even had a syringe without needles that were for infants to squirt it into their mouths. More than three ch- 300 children were given a fatal dose of cyanide. It's so awful. Oh, my God. It's so How awful. How did he have so much cyanide? They had been, sh- this had been over time. And apparently he was practicing on like um, animals that they had on the farm. No. To see how fast it would kill them. So he had been thinking about revolutionary suicide the whole time. Damn. Yeah. Um, some people are um, refusing to do it. And some people like were objecting. They're like, listen, I'm not afraid to die because they like wanted him to still please him. They're like, but why do our kids have to die? Mm-hmm. And he would like be like, don't you want your kids to be with you in this amazing place that we're going to afterwards? Uh. And also the people that would refuse to do it, they found um, like really big needle marks on people's arms, necks, and even skulls that were being held down and forced to do it if they didn't want to do it. Um and Joan said that death by cyanide would be easy, but it's actually one of the worst ways to go. Um, it slowly robs your body of oxygen, so you slowly suffocate. And the poison would cause death within five minutes for children, less for babies, and it estimated 20 to 30 minutes for adults. That is so painful. 30 minutes is so long. Oh, my God. And after consuming the poison, according to a survivor, people were then escorted away down a wooden walkway leading outside the pavilions. And like it was all the bodies. And when you see the pictures test, it's horrifying. But they were all uniform. Like it wasn't just people would lay down together. It's oh, it's horrifying. Oh, I hate that so much. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the survivor described a scene of both hysteria and confusion as parents watched their t- children die from the poison. He also stated that um, that most present Oh, sorry. That most present quietly waited their turn to die. And many of the assembled temple members walked around like they were in a trance. They think that it's because from a previous practice that they did, they um, laced the grilled cheese sandwiches for lunch with sedatives to make people like less in control. Yeah. There were a few survivors on this that claimed they were given an assignment and that's how they escaped. They were supposed to take $550,000 in U.S. currency to the Soviet embassy. 
And the letter included listed accounts with balances totaling in excess of $7.3 million to be transferred to the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. So they had $7.3 million that he had stolen from these people. Good God. Terrible. Um, there was a few other survivors who survived by hiding in the jungle and hiding in ditches. One woman walked 30 miles in the jungle with her child before people found her. Oh. Um and Jones was found dead lying next to his chair in the pavilion between two other bodies. And his head was cushioned by a pillow because he had shot himself because he saw how everyone was suffering. So he didn't go that way. He Little took the easy way. Fucking coward. Little fucking coward. Um, by the end of the night, the word of the shooting got back to Georgetown about what mm -hmm. happened on the air, air map. So they sent out an army to investigate. And what they say or what they found, they said, was impossible to describe on the radio back to Georgetown. They said, quote, there are just heaps of them. And then they said, heaps of what? And they said, dead bodies. Can you imagine finding that? No. Oh, God. And yeah. being like, we were too late, you know? Like, we didn't. And being like, this was happening the whole time. Like, what am I looking at, Ugh. even? Um, the only medical doctor to initially examine the scene at Jonestown was um, visually examined 200 bodies and they couldn't really count it. And when some of the survivors heard about what happened, they were like, okay, maybe my family member got out. Yeah. But then when they did an actual count, 910 people died from cyanide poisoning. 300 bodies were never identified. Most were children. Because they were probably born oh into that community, so yeah. no one else knew who they were. How many people got out? Um, from the island before the air thing that yeah. were actually there, I think only like five people escaped it. And then the people who went back on the air tarp, there wasn't that many, like maybe 30. And I think some people had gone out. The woman who had the custody battle, her son died. Oh. The man who slipped the note, he got out, but he had a son there that died. Oh. It's watching these survivors talk about it. God. It is so sad. There's probably so much like guilt and shame around it too. Of like, why did I do that? Why did I put my kid in that? I could have gotten out earlier. That one guy, one the guy that slipped the note was like, I can come to term and accept my, and forgive myself for everything except with my son. Yeah, that's a tough one. Like, how do you live after that? It's very, I don't know. Um, his two sons actually, or two of his sons survived and were on the dock. Um, I think one might have been his biological son. I'm not sure. And then the other one was Jim Jones Jr. He changed his name to James for a while, but then went back to going by Jim Jones. And he seems very, like he hates his dad. He seems very level-headed. Um, so I don't, I don't actually know how they survived. Um, the survivors obviously have had a very hard time adjusting back to society. People thought they were uh, spies. People thought they were freaks. The media never left them alone. Mm -hmm. And they became very paranoid. They thought there was some way that Jim Jones could still kill them. And how do you trust anyone ever again? Literally. Um, Jackie Spear, uh, hit the aide to, um, to the congressman, um, or not aid, but the counsel to the congressman was hospitalized for two months. They thought she was going to lose her arm and leg, but she fought through and made a commitment to continue Congressman Ryan's legacy. And she was elected to the U.S. Congress in 2008, and she represents Leo Ryan's district. Wow. Wow. Um, and that's Jonestown. Crazy. 
I never knew. I never pictured it in a jungle. Like something about that just makes it like the most eerie story we may have ever done. The fact that they were so isolated. And I'm I'm so glad that now they're not calling it like a mass suicide because yes. it was not a oh mass suicide. Oh my God, suicide. they were all forced to do that. They were it all murdered. Like, I mean, truly murdered by that man. Yeah, it's really sad when people were also like, I think the don't drink the Kool-Aid is the hardest of like the jokes that we have to hear. Oh shit. Oh God. Sucks. Yeah, that does, that is really. Because it's such a normal phrase now, but I understand why that would be horrible to hear. Very triggering. So I just can't believe that this happened. Yeah, it's literally just like such a tragic story of if people had known, if there had been. Also, like, there's just no way in the 70s to, like, get that information information. My mom was living in San Francisco in the late 70s when all of this was happening. And she said she doesn't remember hearing about the People's Temple while it was going on. But she remembers hearing on the radio what happened. And it being so haunting, being like, that was happening in the town that I'm living in right now. Oh, my God. That is crazy. That is wild. That's, I was also talking about it to my mom. I was like, how do you make a movie about this? It's just so dark. Well, I was going to say, because like, there was one point in this episode where I was like, ooh, like before everything got really dark. Yeah. Of just like, I see this. And then I'm like, I don't know if I would want to watch it. Before it got dark, like in his childhood, like you could make it a satire. Oh, total. I mean, Jesus. Like <laughs> him pretending to be dead and then coming back. It's like, oh my God, that. But the jungle. That. And then it gets dark. Part two gets dark. Jesus. And it always does. It always does the VJ. Well, also what's scary and sad is that one of the survivors was like, this happened at a time with political like injustice and someone came on and told a bunch of lies and instilled fear in people. She was like, I think it could happen again and even worse. Same. Because now we have the internet. Yes. And it actually kind of makes it's us like QAnon. Because you have such a bigger community that reaches more people and places that don't have the fear of having to do it. I know. Like person to person. So it's yeah. even scarier. It's so scary. So just like don't <sighs> isolate people, even yes. though we were like, we don't like group activities. <laughs> we don't want to do anything <laughs> with anyone. But don't isolate, isolate people. Wow. Yeah. Check in on everyone. Yeah. You know, always explore. Don't sign blank pieces of paper. No. God. Jesus <sighs> Christ. Well, the, well, our first cult down. Our first for, cold for down. Month. Yeah, for the month. Wow. And what a cold job, it was. Good job, Good Thank job. You. Thank you. Wild. Wild. What a piece of shit. No kidding. I fucking hate him. Me too. Me too. But guys, we love you. Yes, we do. And please um, subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Uh, share with your friends. It yes. makes the biggest difference. If you're still listening, please send to your friends and post about us, please. Please do. And write that review. Please. On Apple Podcasts. It's so easy and we love you. Oh, you guys are the best. Okay. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.